um, we can turn to Jude, verses 1 to 4, and um, the title of my message this morning is actually to contend for the faith. And so when I, when I say faith, I'm not talking about, you know, the assurance of things hoped for, certainty of things unseen. I'm not talking about that aspect. I'm talking about our belief and the trust, uh, sorry, the truth, and actually contending for that, because I do believe we're actually in an age where there is a lot coming against it. <laughs> and it's not new, okay, there's nothing new under the sun, it's always been there, but it just looks new and it comes in de- various forms. And so I want to touch on one or two of the things that I feel in this generation, in this age, some of the things that we're coming against. Uh, and so we're going to work through um, uh, Jude 1. But first, I want to try and communicate this as clearly as possible. So I've broken it into three parts. Um, we're going to look at an example within Scripture. Um, and then I'm going to tell you what I feel God's saying through the sc- Scripture and why it's applicable to us, and then actually the handles on how to. Well, how do we contend for our faith? What does that look like? Um, so let's read together. Okay, from verse 1. This letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I'm reading this in New Living Translation because it is probably the most descriptive, and I want it to be descriptive. It says very similar things in ESV or NLV. Um, I am writing to all who have been called by God the Father, who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. Dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we share, but now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend, um, and the the ESV says, to contend for the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to His holy people. Say this, beca- um, so, sorry, say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into, more t- into your churches. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, say that, I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The, condemna- the condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. And um, so the context of this is actually Jude's addressing a certain leaders within the church that have actually started to warp uh, and distort the understanding of true grace. So they're going, isn't it marvelous? <laughs> isn't this amazing? It's like we've received grace. We're no longer bound by law, but we can actually live how we want to live. And so you actually see these guys start to live, use it as a license for immorality. So you'll often see that the, um, if you go look at the original text, there will be, uh, they're no longer, uh, you know, within the covenant of marriage, it's fine. You can just sleep with whoever. Um, how you use your money, well, that's completely up to you. Um, and, and so those are the things, some of the things that we're coming against. I want to say that it's no different today. <laughs> and so one of the things that I'm not going to go into that either, but which, you, which you'll come aware of is actually the hyper grace or in many ways, actually known as the deficient grace, <laughs> because you can't, it is hyper grace. What God gives us is hyper grace. It is uh, insurmountable. It's unthinkable, the kind of grace that He extends to us who believe. Um, but it's deficient grace, actually, what, what the world is telling us, and, and I don't want to go too deep into that, but the context of this is Jude has basically, um, he's saying to them, man, I so hope to pick up on, on different things. You know, our common salvation, nice things. <laughs> And he's going, I'm addressing the leaders within the church, actually. And I'm telling you saints about them because there's guys that have wormed their way in and they're saying, and they're actually saying, they're teaching that grace 
His grace is sufficient. You can live whatever life you like. <laughs> whatever life you like. Your wife, I don't, ugh, it is what it is, man. You know, just choose as you will. Um, and it's actually distorting the grace of God. They're using it as a license to sin. And so in verse 5, we'll read that. He issues us a warning. So I want to remind you, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. And actually you'll see further in the verse, he gives three Old Testament, three Old Testament scriptures and then tells them what they're doing wrong in a sense, picks up on the church and says, this is what you're doing wrong, and then gives them another three to back it up. And so, um, he, you know, I'll, I'll share a little bit about on Jude, or maybe I'll share a bit on Jude and just his background a little bit later. But um, basically, the urgency in Jude's letter is that he actually said, yeah, man, I would way rather write to you on, on, a different, on a different topic, something like salvation, our common salvation. You know, you were under Messianic law, but you've actually, you now you've, you've actually come to know Christ, uh, Christ crucified on the cross, and it's something that actually we, we have in common. But he says, actually, I feel like it's, there's an urgency in me to write to you right now because I see something happening there. And, and what was Jude picking up? He says, there was an urgency to contend for the faith. And, and why? And what I believe God's saying this morning is this. Actually, what Jude picked up there was, if, if you start to believe what they believe, if, you start to, if, if I can sway your beliefs, I can change the way you live. And if I can change the way you live, well, I can actually, that might determine your eternal standing before God. It's always been there, and it always will be there. <laughs> Make sure that you are not deceived. And uh, we were just chatting this week, actually, at our first prayer meeting, as Johan said. And it was just incredible, first of all, to see what different people pray. Love it. <laughs> you see how different people are. But then secondly, there was just such, it was so evident that actually, as we picked up on certain scriptures, or actually that this was even confirmed on Friday morning's prayer meeting, that we so need to be, it says the church was built up uh, in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And this isn't a fear like he's going to slap us on the back or we've done something wrong, or this is, this is a reverent fear. This is reverency for, oh my goodness, God, lest I turn back to my sin. I've seen what you've brought me out of. I cannot go back there, God. And it's a reverence for, make me more like you, Lord. Make me more like you. And then the comfort of the Holy Spirit is not only like, oh, you know, not only that. He's a comforting factor. He's a helper in times of need. But it's also that voice that comes along inside and helps you and convicts you. And it actually says, Holy Spirit, when he... When he um, it's better that I go if I'll leave the Holy Spirit. And the, the role behind that is actually so that we convict the world of sin and righteous, uh, sin and of God's righteousness. And so actually when He comes to convict, we realize who God is and, and how we're not living that way. And that enables us to be able to do that. It keeps us on this, He keeps us on the straight and narrow. So in many ways this morning, it's like I'm really trusting that that same what we felt in that Friday morning's prayer meeting, that the fear of God would get hold of us to the point actually this morning where we would realize that this is so far beyond us and that we are so dependent on Him. Unless we return to actually our former way of life and things that were attached to that. We need a spirit. We need a spirit to come and convict. So I pray, Lord Jesus, that just even as we share on this today, God, point out in us 
<laughs> in our heart, God, things that are harmful, God, things that offend you, Lord. We want to be more like you, God. And so I pray for your reverent fear to come upon us right now, Lord, in the comfort of your spirit, so that we may be built up, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. So as I said, belief can often determine your way of life, which could affect your eternal standing. And so what I want to do is I'm going to illustrate this. I'm going to use the exact same example, grace, <laughs> that uh, Jude was actually after in this one where, where the leader started to, to distort grace. And what, so we're going to look at a scripture in t uh, Titus, and I'll build a little bit of my case here just to show you how even the same word, the same concept, and how they came to distort it. And, and actually in many ways, uh, you know, our beliefs will determine the way you live, which could, it could affect your eternal standing, and something that actually when I say we need to contend for the faith, I don't know if that thing came up, but I made a cool little poster, it took 0.2 seconds, but uh, contend for the faith, and it's actually a pair of boxing gloves, and they're well worn, <laughs> they're well worn, they're not like these new shiny things that are hanging there, um, because actually I, I feel like God wants to teach us what it looks like to truly contend. So Titus 2, 11 to 12, for, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation Sorry, I skipped there. Um, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Okay. So this kind of grace, okay, well, there is only one grace. <laughs> this kind of grace, God has appeared, bringing salvation. It's the very means of salvation. It's like the leaders he's addressing have started to distort that. Why? It's because if we can get to just start to mess with your eternal standing, okay, it's the means to salvation. It's by grace, through faith, that we come to know Him. And so Jude, verse 4, we've read this, but I want to read it out of the NIV for us. Isn't God, when they say, isn't God's grace amazing? Okay, there are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immortality, and by doing so, actually deny Jesus Christ. And so... It's interesting. They're both grace. The one brings salvation and trains you to become ungodly. And the other says, oh, it's cool. You know, this is amazing. It's marvelous grace of God. We can now live the life that we want to. And actually, you know, in many ways you go like, oh, that's so, you know, how could they do that? <laughs> can I just for a moment, we just hit pause and let's consider our own lives. And I'm speaking to myself here too. <laughs> consider our own lives. I sat with a couple, probably two, two, you know, and you think, you know, back in that church and that day, that was what they were struggling with. Guys, I sat with a couple uh, probably two months ago. But I haven't seen a level of deception like that ever. <laughs> I actually had to go to them. I contended for the faith, and I actually went and said, listen, I, I believe you guys are wrong, and this is why. And, and my heart is that actually if you should respond in a way that is worthy, and actually if you hear me and you hear my heart and you see what God's saying, my heart really is that you would actually turn and you would come back and we would receive you like you have never believed anything else. <laughs> and I sat there across to them and they just said, you deceived. <laughs> they told me I was deceived. <laughs> and, uh, 
And it was basically, you know, I, I fought with him on a couple of things. And when I say fight, we went back and forth with a couple of scriptures. I, I, why I'm using this is I need you guys to see that this is not here, then and then, you know, then and there. This is here and now. It's here. It's here in this church. That we've already sat with people who, who have taken the grace of God and begin to distort it. And, um, and it was a different subject. It was something around the Trinity and some other beliefs. But actually, what, as we got further down the line, uh, it was a grace issue. It was actually, I sat there and I said, well, what about things like sexual morality? And what about, you know, those? And they said, well, no, that's fine. And I actually was, whoa, okay, there it is. Boom. You've just kind of sealed the deal. Um, and, uh, and still to this day, if they came and they said, Mike, you know what? We realize what you were saying. We've actually read it. And we, the Lord's revealed something of his, his lover. We would open these doors. We would fling them wide. Because <laughs> it's exactly what Jesus did for us. Okay, this is not a then and there. This is a here and now. We're being faced with it here and now. And it's discreet. It's very discreet. And so be careful that we are not deceived. And so small things, oh, I want to say small things, big things like grace, your very salvation is hinging on it. <laughs> and the one school of thought is, live the life that you want to. And the other school of thought is, well, actually it's going to train you and instruct you in what it looks like to live a godly life. Is it making sense? Yeah. For Christians, make a statement. For Christians, how you live is probably the most reliable indicator as to what you believe. For Christians, how you live is probably the most reliable indicator as to what you believe. I'm not saying it's the only indicator. It's a very reliable one. And, and why I feel to touch on this is that I actually want us to, just for a moment, just close our eyes. And I want us to reflect on this because there's potential to just shoot past this. And uh, I'm not going to be too much longer. I feel like there will be a response at the end of this. But I, I want us to actually close our eyes and for a moment consider, hmm, what do I believe? What do you believe? And does it reflect in the way that you live? How do you live? If you're married, do you love your wife like Christ loves the church? And again, I'm speaking myself here. In your love, is it unconditional? Knowing that actually from the Father you've received unconditional love. Do we love like that? In our worship, do we understand that what God wants of us? And do we understand, we've just gone through that as this is church. What is true, what is the kind of worship that God's looking for? And so if you believe it, should it not reflect in your worship? Should it not reflect in our worship? In submission one to another, do we see uh, the need, or not even the need, but the, do we place high emphasis on actually being accountable to others? Submission one to another, out of reverence for Christ, <laughs> to leadership. 
and to God. Sure. So I ask the question again for Christians. I'll make the statement again. <laughs> for Christians, how we live is the re- most reliable indicator of what we believe. And so wh- what I want out of this time, or what I'm trusting God for out of this time, is that actually you can open your eyes, sorry, it's, uh, just in case you sleep. <laughs> what I would love for us out of this time is to actually, sometimes, you know, we so run through life, <laughs> and it feels like the Lord just wants to do one of those kind of those checkmate moments, checkmate, and just go, you know, we've read about the things that we're reading about in, in Matthew 24, and, and we know it's coming. And so we wait expectantly, but actually, are we sure of our standing? We need to be sure of our standing. And so our lives need to reflect our beliefs. Because actually, I'm going to pick up on a scripture a little bit later that it's actually not only about us, believe it or not. (laughs) We will stand before God as an individual, but it's not only about us. He's also going to test the works. All right. And so maybe I can show, have you got that diagram? I saw something this week. I saw something this week that was quite, uh, oh, yeah, the things, you're probably going to have to squint a little bit. It was a WhatsApp image. But basically, it's this, uh, I I woke up with this um, kind of, uh, what is it, idea in my head this morning of of the school of thought. Because I was considering, okay, cool, God, so, so what do I believe? And does my life actually, you know, believe, believe me when I say before I preach something, I want to make sure that I, I'm living it as best as I can, okay? So, so I'm asking myself these same questions so that when I come here, I can ask you them straight. <laughs> uh, but I, and I often ask my wife, which is the greatest indicator, okay, you know? Um, and uh, this morning, I woke up with this thing, and I, said, I was like the school of thought. And I remember actually showing me a picture this week, and we had a good laugh at it because we're in this phase where the right circle says, Mom taking off your sweater, Mom or Dad taking off your sweater. Okay, and so at the top, we've got bank robbers. To the left, we've got DJs. Let me do this, yeah. Um, to the right, we've got mom taking off your sweater, and the bottom, we've got preachers. Okay, and so what do they have in common there? These four circles, these four diff- very different roles, what do they have in common? And it says, um, you know, for bank robbers and moms taking off your sweater, I'm not asking twice. <laughs> okay, and if you look to the left, bank robbers and DJs, everyone on the floor. Okay. <laughs> Okay, that's a little bit better. I get some laughs in the back there. Was that Lane? Uh, I heard that laugh, Lane. <laughs> um, and then, so mom taking off your sweater and preachers, what do they have in common? If you don't listen to me, there will be severe consequences. <laughs> and it's this morning I want to go, if you don't listen to me, if you don't listen to what God's saying, there's going to be severe consequences. <laughs> okay, and DJs and preachers, are you with me? <laughs> All right, and then... Um, yeah, one of the, uh, I don't actually know how the rest of this goes, to be honest, though, but it says, everyone on the floor, and, you know, oh, oh, everything in common is basically put your hands in the air. You know, whether you're a bank robber, mom taking off the sweater, uh, preachers or DJs, everyone put your hands in the air, you know? And, uh, and I actually, we so enjoyed that. It was probably just because of the sweater, if I'm honest. I, didn't, I thought the others were kind of funny, but we know what it looks like to pull a sweater, and the, ne- the neck hole is never as big as their kid's head. I don't know how they work that out, but anyway, it's fine when it's on, but taking it off... It's a, uh, yes, you need to prepare yourself for that. So, I'm um, speaking to the converted here. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're learning in that now, okay. Uh, but basically, the same diagram, actually, I, th- I sat this morning and I looked at it and I said, yeah, this would be quite cool. So, uh, the outer circle, uh, circle, okay. 
So if we took four different people here in this congregation, let's take Darren, Devon, uh, Loli, and um, Josh, okay, and you put them in that diagram, um, which Josh has taken away. Uh, if you put them in the diagram in the outer circles, okay, and you put their beliefs right next to them, you know, um, and the way you lived your life was in the two other circles next to it, okay, down from each of those things, the way you lived your life. So at the top, we've got Josh, okay, and to the left, we've got, well, he loves gymming. What else do you like to do, bro? I'm really rating him out here. This is a really bad example. He's an incredible guy. But, um, you know, like uh, spending time in the Word, maybe, or, you know, and, and you did that with four other people. I wonder what the one common thing would be and if that would ever point to Jesus. And what I'm trying to illustrate by that is actually you, your belief, and the things that you live your life. Um, do we, when we come together as a body, do we reflect something of God? Is the center thing that we actually gather around? Is it because we have lack of convo? We get to meet new people? Or has he actually placed you into family? Because uh, the one I'd happily come to whenever I felt like it. <laughs> the other one I'm going, I need to be there. <laughs> because actually my belief is that, is that, well, God, you've asked me to be a part of this family. And so when I'm not there, the members, when it says we are members of one another, when they, maybe they, they're counting me this morning and I'm actually not there. Oh. Imagine see a didn't rock up for the, <laughs> anyway, we leave it there. That's not like a voice. <laughs> okay, whether it would ever really point towards Jesus. And so one of the things, one, the two things I want to hammer away on this morning uh, is the, our two responses to this and how I think that actually uh, we contend for the faith or defend the faith. And, and one of the areas, and now I'm speaking about for us personally, is to stop damaging the organ of our faith. And you're like, what, what does that mean? You know, stop damaging the organ of our faith. And so, how does faith come? Just quick, by hearing, hearing the word of God. Okay, cool. And so, when you've heard the word of God and you've actually gone, well, there, and you've accepted the word of God, what do you do then? You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart. So what's the organ of your faith? Not that hard, guys. <laughs> your heart. Okay. It's actually what you, as a, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he, okay. And so, so the very beliefs, this is what I'm actually going after today, is based off, off um, Henry's preach two weeks ago where he said, you know, we've had God is able, and he is the only able one to keep us from stumbling. And then you have Henry says, does he have your whole heart? That was what he preached on. And this morning I want to say, he needs our whole heart. It's a very, where, where belief happens, where belief starts to take place. And actually, the enemy is as much after your heart <laughs> as God is. He knows if he can get that, if he can get the basis of your belief, and he can start to put things in your heart. Why do you think the word says, God, your heart, above all else? For out of it flows springs of life, springs of living water. God, your heart. It's the organ of your faith. And so when we consider guarding our heart, and what does that look like? Well, actually, that's a daily walk. <laughs> because I know my heart wanders after certain things. The more I spend time with certain, uh, like people that have much, you know? Maybe you spent the whole week driving around in a 4x4 Hilux Bucky with Devon. 
<laughs> I'm ratting you out. He's my friend. He knows my heart. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, you know, at the end of it, you know, now after my, my, my subarius, you know, the, the wheels are falling apart and the, and the window's cracked and the, win- the, the, the window doesn't go down. I can tell you right now, there's a little bit of a wrestle after that. And as I said, he's my friend. We are, I'll tell him this to his face. Okay, but there's a, there's a certain wrestle. It's like, oh, God, it would be so nice, you know, and so our heart wanders after certain things, and we just need to be careful. Just, it's not a, it's not a massive, just guard it. Just guard, you know what, Lord, I'm actually okay with you, and the way you, when you choose to do it, when you choose to sow the seed. In the meantime, I'll be faithful. Maybe I'll fast and pray about it. <laughs> Watch our hearts, guard them. For me, it was for before Hilux Bucky. For you it might be, you know, I don't know what that is. But let's make sure we're guarding it. And then the second thing I want to pick up on, and we're going to end here, is 1 Timothy 4.16. When I want to ask us to watch our life and our doctrine. Watch our life and our doctrine. Okay. It says, um, and this is Paul speaking to Timothy, says, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Now can I say this? Paul taught Timothy. He knew that his doctrine was sound. <laughs> I want to say for us, we would probably need to test what we believe. Okay, so if we're not sure of anything, like myself, before speaking on something like this, hey, Russ, I don't understand what this scripture means. Why don't you, you know, and I've got guys that I would reach to because I actually know their understanding of it is far deeper than mine. And, um, and it doesn't remove the fact that I would go and look and learn and do what I can. But there's elements, I don't think we should be so bullheaded in certain things that actually we might, we might be missing what God's saying. Okay. And so even in this, I mean, there were, there were so many different contexts of scriptures and things that I could have used. <laughs> I was even considering, should I, live, uh, should I use NLT, New Living Translation? And then like most of the people, are, oh, well, that's my Bible. It's okay. <laughs> but honestly, just from the point of fact that I actually wanted to make it so clean cut that we don't get, that we don't muddy the waters. Okay, so make sure what we believe. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them. So persevere in a good lifestyle and good doctrine. Because if you do, and this is where it comes not to just about us, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And so what we believe often determines our way of life. And our way of life could affect, uh, our way of life and our beliefs could affect our eternal standing. And so, can we be those who actually, just off the back of Matthew 24, where it says, those who stand, to the en- stand firm till the end will be saved. Can we, can we get a couple of these things right? Can we stop damaging the organ of our faith? Can we make sure that actually what we are believing, um, when we lo- watch our life and our doctrine, watch where we spend our time, watch what we listen to, it's amazing that YouTube doesn't need accountability. Scary thought, actually. And so in your face, so easy to. You say, well, Mike, we've been listening to this as church on YouTube. Yes, but we know, I know Andrew. We've walked with the guys. He's got guys around him. And, uh, and so the means is YouTube, but it's not the source. And so we need to be careful that actually what we're listening to, what we're feeding ourselves with, it is not damaging the organ of our heart, of our faith, of our beliefs. We need to contend for the faith. Contend for your beliefs. Contend for truth. Because for what we see there, all the things that are coming, there's a different level of deception, a different level of 
lawlessness, a different level, and we need to know, we need to be those who are able to give an account. Lord, this is what I believe, and this is why I believe it, and this is the evidence, because you've seen it in my life. Paul would say, follow my teachings, my conduct, my aim in life. It wasn't just my teachings. Need to know. Need to know. Does this make sense? Cool. Why don't we stand?